Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. I'm not going to mess about like the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to be funny and that. <laughs> Uh, although I am absolutely melting in a minute, and I'm sure you all are too. What a few days in the heat that's been. But we don't complain, do we? We don't like to complain about it. Uh, if you've heard yourself talking to neighbours about the weather, um, have a word with yourself. Come a bit of weather. Nice. Um, but let's walk. <laughs> Welcome to a new week of less weather, uh, more rain. We can get back to complaining about it, just like the good old days. And crack on with some no live music. What about that, eh? What have you got coming up this week? How's your week look? Are you looking forward to it? Does it look like it's going to be a bit of a crap and a hoy? Uh, I'm going to Doncaster races this weekend. Don't know how I feel about that. All, me, all the lads are not like all the, that kind of stuff. Um, I have been before and it's been alright, I suppose. But uh, Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So that's kind of what's happening at the weekend for me. But before that, I've got a week with you here at RGM World. And there's no other place where I'd like to be. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the RGM podcast with me, Carl Maloney. We are the people that delve into grassroots, grassroots music uh, and find characters within it and beyond. We get the big guy sometimes. And there's always a conversation. There's always somebody that's had a... A unique journey through this industry of ours. Uh, so we like to share those stories with you, the people that listen to our little podcast. Welcome to another week. How are you doing, you're on eight? Uh, apart from me moaning about everything, I'm just going to crack on and stay positive and just, you know, be up. I do have to force it sometimes. You. I really do. And today's, today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is somebody absolutely, as soon as the interview started, absolute gleamed with positivity and niceness and friendliness. And, uh, it was an absolute joy to speak to. Ladies and gentlemen, today's guest moved all the way from Swansea to Hornsey. Spotted Liam Gallagher on tour. Dr. John Cooper Clark said he's exceptional at poetry, funny and depressing all at the same time, just like John Cooper Clark would say it. Uh, he's been on tour, has an amazing relationship with Pete Doherty. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, an amazing, nice, honest, lovely, I'm trying to picture words, but words are failing me, <laughs> chat with... Jack Jones from Trampoline coming your way, ladies and gentlemen. A beautiful soul. And you, 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 get a, you get a feeling from speaking to Jack, like you speak to somebody special. And I don't say that a lot. Really enjoyed speaking to him. And I think he enjoyed speaking to me as well. <laughs> of course he did. Uh, we, we, we had a good time, we got on and we, we had a very good chat and we're going to bring it to you now, ladies and gentlemen, okay? So, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Jones. Hello, mate, how are you? Yeah, I'm Listen sound, thank you. 
smoking the nightmare. I just <laughs> no, I just noticed you got a Abbey Road cover on the back there. Yes, it's a jigsaw. Lockdown oh, jigsaw, yeah. Well, that, how long I, did it take to do that jigsaw? Well, I can't pretend I did much of it, mate, to be honest with you. Oh, I, is I, it? I, I get very frustrated with that kind of stuff. I, even in lockdown, I didn't have enough time for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just went and spent, I spent a few, we were playing a show in Wrexham not long ago. Yeah. Um, Fest or something it was called. We, we gave it the slogan Wrecked Fest because okay. everyone was so absolutely out of their minds, nice. just like you would expect. But anyway, um, the, before that, I stayed up in Liverpool for a few days and did yeah. the did the whole Beatles experience oh, thing. Nice, I went nice. to, I went to the Beatles story, went to the Beatles museum, yeah. went on the magical mystery tour. Yes, John Lennon's house, that kind of stuff. I've done all that. Yeah, yeah. Did you do yeah, the cavern? Obviously, surreal, you must have done the cavern. Yeah, I went to the cavern and they had like it was Beatles International Beatles Week. All right. Okay. <laughs> so they had like a cover band from different parts of the world playing oh, nice. every hour. Right. And it's like twenty four seven. And we walked in and it was the Brazilian Beatles were on. Oh fun. And they were and they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah. You know, like the harmonies are all perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just it's mad. It's mad the impact that band had, isn't it? It's just beyond belief really I, I still I, I still kind of talk to this every now and again with people it comes up with the Beatles and sometimes with like old historic Manchester bands people are still talking mm. about these bands from 50 60 years ago uh, and Liverpool yeah. so heavily influenced by the Beatles and that kind of stuff can you think it do you think it's kind of can hold some bands down a little bit having that history behind them that people still rant on about all the time like like Manchester think- Oasis Sheffield uh, Pulp uh, yeah. Liverpool, the Beatles, you know. Can, yeah, we, can we hang on to that stuff too long, do you think, sometimes? I, I agree. I agree. Um, I agree to some extent because yeah. it's like, uh, you know, it's like living in the shadow of, you know, your your father or, so, you know, someone, you know what I mean, or something yeah. like that. But, um, but also like, you know, Sheffield and Manchester, like Liverpool, those when you're a band from those areas, mm. I feel like the heritage that you've had gives you so much precedent already. You know, mm. if you if you're thinking about me, I'm in a band from Swansea. It's like there's it's like uh, there's not as much history. There, is, I mean, there is some. Like, there's like a band called Badfinger. I don't know if you um, know them, but they wrote um, "Can't Live." You know the hit that Mariah Carey had. Oh, Can't okay. leave. Oh. Living in a new. Have you seen that yeah. thing where that woman on X Factor does it, and she can't speak English, and she goes like, "I'm going to do Ken Lee," and she goes, "Ken Lee, Anyway, it's brilliant. So they wrote that, but um, so I, I I agree that it's it's difficult to like break free, but I also think yeah. that it helps a lot of new bands too because I think that yeah. if you can say you're a Manchester band or a Sheffield band or you know if you're from Liverpool, it can give you a certain kudos already. Whereas I found found with you know, with trampoline and being from Swansea, there was there wasn't really many footsteps for us mm. to follow. Yeah. There was like we had to make our own footsteps into the yeah. into uh, into the world of you I, know. I just find know, it a little like, bit. I find it a little bit tragic sometimes when I see brand new bands doing. Uh, you look good on the dance floor. I just feel. Like oh it. my god! No, that that's that's a, that's a different thing. That yeah. is tragic. That, you know that I mean? that's like that's like you know that that to me. But to me, it's a pandemic. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the other day, we played a gig, right? And like the support band, 
not joking. <laughs> didn't really even didn't even like um, practice their instruments. They they just were like filming the cut, filming the singer doing covers so they could put them on TikTok. Oh right, okay. And I was yeah. just like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like, like people people like you know have to. They think the only way to make it these days is to cover cover songs and put it on put it on YouTube or put it on you know put it on whatever. But I think it's just a bit sad. People seem to be. I, I agree with you. People seem to be hanging their hat on TikTok, uh, and and it seems to get really good engagement. So I see why people do it. But I think people are doing it because they think it's easier than and easier than the other ones to do. They think, oh, there's like mm. some fucking kid over there has got famous on tiktok somehow but i think it's, it's easier for my band because because the because the engagement seems to be better you know you might get more likes and views or whatever whatever that really means on tiktok than anywhere else that that's the easy way through it all it, it yeah. just seems a bit short-sighted for me that and a bit like they're trying to cut corners yeah well i totally agree because like the thing is nothing will beat Although it's the hardest thing, getting in a van and going touring. Like, there's only, there's only, I mean, I know people with TikTok, millions of followers on TikTok who can't sell a ticket. Yeah. So, what's you know it mean? mean? So, it's what's like, mean? But I think people can get discovered on there. And, um, and then if you get someone in the industry who kind of knows how it works, can they can, you know, say, right, yeah, you've done well there, but this is probably what we need to do to make, to yeah. kind of get you on a, uh, in a get you known in the music world, if you know. I mean, I still, I still think they're pretty different things. So what like, what, what yeah. do the, pe- the, the people that you know with millions of followers and stuff? What do they do on it? Is it music? Yeah, lot, lots of it. Kind of always, you have to be so on top with the trends and the topics. Right. What's going on? You have to be uploading three or four videos a week. Yeah. You know, um, kind of being quite open and you know making sure that you're covering the latest trending song or you're you're writing oh. a song about the latest thing that's going on about the news. Do you know what I mean? It's all it's all very current and very of the time. You have to be it's a full time job, these things, yeah. you know. I mean I've only touched upon them and realised I'm rubbish at them. Not <laughs> that I'm rubbish at them. It's, it's how do you want to live your life? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what it comes down to at the end yeah. of the day. And I I haven't got the mental uh, um, <laughs> fortitude to, um, yeah. to to literally to do it. I just think it just I just need to be outside, and I need to be writing songs, and yeah. I need to be, you know, with my. They're just different. I'm just maybe a bit. It's not kind of a, not good for me that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, I just it, end up. It, it, is all of the, <laughs> is all the band that way, or is there any other members in there that might be more attuned to doing that kind of stuff for you? No, I mean yeah. that's a that's a thing. We none of us are like that, yeah. really. It's a bit of a really. If you start a band these days, you need someone who's right on the ball. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it and I try my best, but it it's mainly just. Um, honest content about how I'm getting on with my day and with my life, you know, it's, yeah. it's not like strategic, yeah. if, you want, if you know what I mean. So it's like a different way of looking at it. But, you know, if there's bad people who are in bands now, like 18, 19, yeah. say, and I imagine that it's a different game for them. But mm. Wayne, he's, you know, he likes painting and he works and we work. So it's like 
fitting it in around everything else isn't yeah. isn't viable really yeah well let, let's rewind a little bit so talk us through what was it like for you in swansea growing up before you got this creative bug to go into the music industry what was little jack jones like as a a little bit. Oh, I was a naughty bastard. Were you? I was okay, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I wasn't. I think I, I, I had like different. Uh, um, I didn't really get. I didn't play. Start playing guitar till I was fourteen or fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I played football for Swansea, and I thought I was going to be a footballer. Before that, I thought I was going to be a paleontologist because I was okay. obsessed with dinosaurs. Yeah. Um. I uh, I think I had a lot of trouble in school. Uh, I don't really know why. I think I was dyslexic, which didn't help. Or I am dyslexic, and I um, and I, you know, I grew up. Uh, I was probably the last generation like where I grew up without a phone, really. Yeah. But, um, and. Uh, I don't know. I, I just I struggled in school a lot. I got expelled from school for jumping on my art teacher's car, screaming that I wanted to be a woman in my boxers. <laughs> okay, nice. And uh, <laughs> and my report said I was unteachable, but I didn't know if I was unteachable. I just liked that more of a. And then they blamed my mum a bit as well because I had a negotiatory style of parenting or something. I just like oh. to be. I like to be know what I was doing and what yeah. use it was going to be in my life. But um, the uh, school doesn't suit everybody, does it? You know, everybody's different. No, if and, I and went like, now, I'd love it. I think. Yeah. I think. I think I just went at the wrong time, and um, yeah, I didn't read a book till I was like twenty-two. But were, were you, di- were you diagnosed mom... after school? Then were you diagnosed with? Uh, with uh, no, I with... no, I was in school. I was I was took to like this the Institute of Dyslexia. And I think they kind of thought that was the reason why I was struggling with reading and writing. But I didn't really. I, my, I lived in Australia for a bit. I had a bit of a mm. bit of an unusual childhood in that way, I suppose. And and then when my mum and my, my mum and dad, dad went together at the time, but um, my uh, one time at, uh, at Christmas there was a kind of triangle shaped thing around the Christmas tree and uh, and it said on it um, I heard school isn't going so well maybe time for you to think of doing something else uh-huh. and it was I, and it was from my dad mm. and uh, I opened it I thought it was like a giant penguin at first but I opened it and it was a guitar uh-huh. and I was like oh what's this about so I don't know if it was some sort of undying uh, you know dream to impress my father or just a way of mm. expressing my feelings all those things I don't know what it was but as soon as I had it um, one of my other friends learned guitar and you know he was getting better than me and I was just so deeply competitive I couldn't have that so I, <laughs> okay. I went I, I went uh, like hell for leather <laughs> yeah. on the guitar and then um, that was it really I, I, um, I got let go of Swansea didn't get in the youth kind of team and all that. What was it down so to? Really, what do you think the football thing was down to? Um, I'd say he just decided I wasn't good enough. I had one of those letters saying uh, he's a great talent and all that. But, um, you know, we got, it's that age before, 
you know, 15, 14 is when he gets, when he's getting into professional yeah. contracts and all, and they didn't want to offer me. And I was offered a sports scholarship basically in um, a league of Wales football club called Fleshley Town. Mm. And um, I took that. Uh, or oh, I took it the year before, basically before the scholarship. You had a year of playing for the team, and I took that, and that was where I met Wayne from Trampoline, mm-hmm. Wayne the bass player. And then a few months later, I met um, Kyle, Mister Williams, in college. So it was like, uh, and we we would, we just decided that uh, we didn't know what we were going to do with our lives, but yeah. we knew it was going to be in this band and this nice. kind of. Uh, we wanted to play music and I didn't even, I said to the boys, I had no idea whether we were going to be a success or not. I just had to, um, give it a go. I knew that I'd give it a, give all, give it all I had. Yeah. Are you comfortable talking about the Australia thing? Yeah. What was that? What what, what was the Australia thing you mentioned there? So I think I was about six years old and that was when my mum and dad split up. Okay. And, um, my mum has a brother who lives in Australia and I don't think she really knew what to do. Okay. So then, so then, um, so we were like, so me and my sister, and she's like, right, I'm, we're going to Australia. And I think we were there for like, you know, I always thought we were there for about four years or something, but um, she told me it was a bit less that my childhood mind had run away with itself. But yeah, yeah. so we were living there. And uh, sorry, that's our flatmate below. Exactly. But um, uh, yeah, so you know, I wasn't really going to school and I was just yeah. playing around in Australia. Okay. But looked after by my uncle, my uncle Joe. And yeah, can you can you remember Australia with it being that long ago? Can you remember? Yeah, I remember it big time, man. Yeah. I remember being like amazed by the animals because yeah. I love animals, and I was yeah. just like. Seeing a real life crocodile, I was like, "What the hell is that? It's a dinosaur." That's a, like, they are dinosaurs, though, aren't they? They are dinosaurs. Yeah, from, like they're from that time still, aren't they? These fucking yeah. mad things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that blew my mind. Like the birds, mate. They're like yeah. even the birds. They're like gigantic. Everything's huge <laughs> there. It's just like you know, I used to go looking for frogs with my sister, yeah. and like we'd find these like gigantic green frogs. It's like yeah, I remember it just. And also, you know, the level of football wasn't as high there. So oh, when okay. I started playing football, I was Smashed like better it. than everyone else. <laughs> nice. my... So I felt really good about that for a while. But um, but then again, it was so hot when yeah. we were playing. Sometimes I couldn't play because I felt like I was getting uh... like blistered to hell. <laughs> nice. But in fact, funny enough, like I remember sometimes you used to win man of the match playing football. And they used to give you um, this red lobster, like a free meal thing oh there you go so if i'd had a good day i, I got me and my mom and my sister a free meal at this like random lobster place so that i remember that actually go. that's nice and i remember having a hat like um lobster hat like a full-blown <laughs> cowboy hat okay i used to think i was like a, i used to proper think i was like uh I don't know what I thought I was. I'm sort of like I thought it was Steve Irwin. Oh no, there we go. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so the so your dad got you a guitar. The lads all met up. Yeah. You formed the band, and then you entered mm. the music industry. So, as a songwriter yourself, I know you're a poet as well and a novelist now that we'll come to as well. 
how 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 did you uh we'll come to that in a bit how did you like first realize that you are a songwriter and you've got these these thoughts and these these feelings inside you that can make songs i don't don't think i've ever realized i was that that you said but um uh i don't know i think i just had to do it for some reason i don't know why i just had to do it it was like all that mattered to me it was really all that mattered to me it was was the songs i wrote and i wasn't really necessarily that bad about talking about how i felt either so it wasn't like i you know i was like a typical man who wouldn't like talk about his feelings i suppose i am in lots of ways but you know if ever i felt like really bad about stuff i'd talk to people you know my mum or Mm. my sister but um I just, I just, I don't know what it was. I just had to do it and I've always had to do it. And the, I've got like a list of, on my phone, it's like songs I have to record before I die. Okay. And it's, I keep, a, I keep, I keep adding to it. So there's no way I'm going to finish <laughs> this list properly. But, but um, I think it helped me. In fact, you know, I started being a lot more accepting of, you know, I was, of, in school, and my behaviour improved when I started writing songs. Oh. Um, maybe, uh, maybe there's something about being heard, or even just hearing yourself out loud, which is, I don't know, some sort of therapeutic yeah. thing. I don't know, but I, I never, I never. Um, I've never understood why I've had to do it. I just, I just have had to do it. Yeah, and like the thought of not doing it, the thought of giving up, which is, I know I thought about that many times over the last 10 years, 15 years. I've thought, I've always thought whenever I thought about giving up, the thing that kept me going is the fact I couldn't give up on the songs, mm. whether they made it or not, just, into lots of people's lives didn't really matter to me. It was just the fact that they existed was enough. What What do you mean by keep you going? Well, you know, thought fucking hell, I got no money. I'm absolutely <laughs> broke. I am. Um, nobody really seems interested in anything I do. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's like classic, you know, why, why, why do this thing that no one gives a fuck about yeah. apart from you? Yeah. <laughs> it, like, like that is a clear moment where you got to look at yourself and realize why, why I'm bothering. I suppose. Yeah. And and why did you keep bothering? Just the songs that you, you need these. You need to record these songs. Yeah, yeah. songs is the only reason I do it. Yeah, the only reason I keep going anyway. And what, was was there a specific time? that changed where you think it is worth doing it now? Is there, a, is there a specific moment when you thought, yeah, I don't feel that way anymore? Or do you still feel like you're blagging it every day? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a few, I get little moments. I call them little slices of joy. Nice. Like I always, when I was a lot younger, it was about being the biggest band in the world, having number one albums, being a millionaire, yeah. you know, paying off my mum and dad's mortgage. But, you know, none of those things have happened to me. Mm. 
But what I have had is lots of other things that have brought a lot of joy to my existence. Mm. And, um, you know, when I'm in, when I'm with in the bus with the band and it's like, we're still friends. You know, we've been friends since we were 14, since we were in school. And, um, you know, that, that brings me a lot of joy. The mm-hmm. fact that I can still play music with my friends, mm-hmm. um, I'll get a little moment of joy then, or even if, you know, we go to a gig and um, someone, you know, can tell me a story about how the song or the poem has, you know, helped them through their life, that's a moment of joy. Say I get to a gig and there's like a rider there with, you know, the exact (laughs) amount of blueberries. I'm like, that's a moment of joy. Or, you know... Uh, there's no traffic on the motorway yes. on the M25. <laughs> there's, a, there's a moment of joy, I suppose. <laughs> the little wins, you know. Yeah, no, they're just as important. Yeah, no, I can see that. So, like, like I've been doing a little bit of research, and I can see you've been doing, like, uh, you know, as a, as a poet and stuff. You do spoken word, and when when I coming from Sheffield, I didn't see spoken word anywhere in Sheffield. But when I moved to Manchester, it was completely different. It's a completely vibe, mm. different vibe over here. And there's people like Leon the Pig Farmer, a friend of mine that uh, is an amazing spoken word artist out here. That uh, when when I've been to his gigs and seen him perform, uh, the power of that kind of stuff is quite palpable. You can feel it. How, how what made you like have you always done that as well as the um no, songwriting as well no. no no there was a guy from manchester actually who made mm. me do it um a guy called sean rivers you know he's in a band i think called charlie and the oscillators now and um yeah we were living we moved to swansea moved from swansea to hornsey in like north london this flat um we must have, I can't even remember when we moved now, probably when we were 18 or some, somewhere thereabouts. And um, the idea was we'd have this kind of flat and it'd be like a creative hub. Mm. And it kind of like turned into like, I don't know, it was called like a Welsh refugee camp. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. But, but, um, but also it was just everyone turned up there. And the one guy who was managing a pub, I think, next door or he'd met Wayne I think somehow I'm not sure even how he met now but um he was he was from Manchester he was at Man Glad and uh and he was doing the spoken word stuff and I, I kind of showed him some of the things I'd done and he kind of really uh pushed me on to kind of do it and uh kind of um kind of bring it into the band if that makes any sense and then we got a manager who kind of made me do it as well so I hadn't always done it and I always thought it was a terrible idea <laughs> and uh, and I always thought it was never work in a band and I really didn't want to do it yeah. and um it ended up being a thing that really defined the early part of my career I suppose oh. early part of my life so just goes to show you really can't know can you, you know, and sometimes it's good to do things you really don't want to do. Yeah, well, just looking at like some of the research I've had, Dr. John Cooper Clark said you're exceptionally, you've got you're, you're an exceptional poetry, poetry, funny and depressing at the same time. 
There's, some, there's something beautiful about the depressing things sometimes, isn't there? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I met I, when I met him. I was really sh- yeah. I couldn't believe it actually. It's like Sean got me into his music and his poems, and uh, you know there was a lot of him in what I was doing, and a lot of Dylan Thomas. I thought of it as a kind of combination of them both, mm. and uh, yeah, the fact that he even knew one of my poems and I met him was a bit surreal to me actually. Yeah, we had him on the podcast. The first, the first guest on this podcast, right, way back at number. No one. way. Yeah, just such a. I phoned him at home. Obviously, he don't have a mobile. He don't have. Yeah, I know. It's super any, weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he don't have any kind of computer stuff, uh, and just just having a nosy about. Uh, some, I don't know something come up on YouTube earlier. He said, "If I had if I had the internet, I'd never leave the fucking house, and I'd just you know he just he wouldn't have the time to fucking get out of the house. So he's, that's why he don't have it because he fucking wants to be out. And out. <laughs> he still even at his age now, he still wants to be out and out, just living life." experiencing yeah. things instead of fucking fucking about with algorithms and all that bollocks you know what I mean yeah I love it I love it I saw him live actually the mm. other day I, that's oh. where I met him in, in Canterbury oh nice my mate lives there so I went and stayed with him but um, he was he was that poem about something about him being fat because he'd stopped taking drugs or something I can't <laughs> remember it was, it was just it was just made me laugh my head off he is. He is an absolute um, one-off. That guy. He is absolutely. Why? Why do you think he's quite he can fragile get... as well? When yeah. you meet him in person, okay. you think Craigie might blow over in the yeah. wind like this lad. But um, he's like all skin and bones, isn't he? Yeah. But uh, unbelievable writer, really, yeah. really, really, truly exceptional. Why do? You, why do you think there is beauty in depressive things sometimes? Why? Why do you think that is? <laughs> because it's what we all know. Yeah. It's what we all see every day, and um, you've got to find beauty in the depressing things because otherwise, life is an absolute shitstorm yeah. of depression. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't agree. it's uh, yeah, like uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, unless without those, without find being able to look to look for those little moment, little yeah. things it, it, it can be quite daunting really life and uh, yeah. like going to the shop every day and buying milk you know mm. it's like <laughs> it's, it's got to be done and it, it's I suppose <laughs> it's a bit depressing but the people you meet along the way yeah, they, you know yeah. kind of society around it that can be uplifting yeah no, I like that you, you, you mentioned you get these little flashes of light in your life do you mean like supporting Liam Gallagher, being on tour with Pete Doherty, all those type of things. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, I, I always say it on this podcast, it's not like you're working down the pit, is it, mate? Anyway, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you do get to experience that's extraordinary true. things sometimes. That is true. That's very sweet of you to put it that way. Uh, yeah, those are big moments, I think. Those are like, you know, um, surreal big moments. Like the Liam thing, uh, came through, it's a, a funny old long story, it came through Wayne, actually, mm. who was working in a pub in uh, in in North London. And it just so happened to be, I think it was one of Liam's favourite pubs. Mm. And it was before Liam's kind of big comeback, if you will. Yeah. So they were mates, I think, you know, hanging out, having a few drinks together. Um, and so that relationship had been forged quite a, quite a long time in the making. Mm. 
and it was um, uh, Debbie, Kate, Liam is, I don't know if they're married now, actually, they might be, but um, Debbie's, I don't know, wife, fiance, girlfriend, I'm not sure. She's got a twin sister who was doing a bit of a PR for, for the band Trampoline, and one day she sent a text through about supporting uh, Liam on his tour, and I thought we all, we all thought it was then. a joke at first. Go on, then. Okay. <laughs> we were like, all right, why not? Yeah. So yeah, that that is a that is a big moment, a surreal moment. We were first on, and um, uh, was that with, think, was that with Twisted Wheel as well? No, was I was think it was after Twisted Wheel had done it before. Oh, okay, like, yeah. I think they had done. They didn't. They they, they supported Oasis, or was I wrong? They, they, Maybe they, 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 they have supported Oasis back in the years. But uh, I would I, I interviewed yeah. Johnny uh, Johnny Brown, and he uh, he was just about to go on tour with Liam. Uh, um, oh, was that, that in Europe? That, that was a while ago. Yeah, around Europe. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, so but we were first on, and um, you know, so we're there when everyone just about yeah. to start coming in, really. Yeah. But be- before before Liam was a band was someone called Rat Boy. I don't know mm. if you remember them. I do remember them. Yeah. They were like they were talk of the town for a while, but um, I don't know if they're even still going anymore. So they had the big main slot, mm. and uh, you know, it is quite a. Now, looking back, you know, the difference between a main support and a first on is quite yeah. huge. Yeah. Like, the amount of people you play to is, like, you know, quintuple yeah. or something, you know. But, um, so we were there. I was I was still drinking at the time, which is, I probably regret now because <laughs> I keep thinking of all the little moments where I could have had a normal conversation with Liam, but yeah, I was right. just... <laughs> too off my cake to really even make any sense I think I ended up stealing <laughs> Rat Boy's bottle of Jägermeister one oh, night and I think like uh, one, one somehow my sister ended up being like the <laughs> the family photographer although she was, she was a bit off her head as well like, <laughs> I don't know there's so many random yeah, things that yeah and um, yeah and so but totally grateful to Liam because he picked yeah. trampoline out of nowhere, really. It was like a more out of, um, you know, trust from friendship. And we'd, mm. we had met each other and we all, we all got along and it was just clear that there was a, a kind of kindred spirit about the whole thing, you know? Mm. And, um, with Peter, that's a long old story. Peter's like, um, funny enough, just before, um, you called it was there's a film coming out about him directed by his now wife katya but oh. i was uh looking at my i did like a speech at his wedding like a best man speech and mm. i couldn't uh best man's poem it was and uh i was just thinking crikey it's been like eight years or so that um peter's been in my life and i've been in his life and we've been on this kind of journey together and it's been quite a mad roller coaster at time. Mm. But you know, if it wasn't for the poetry, mm. the poems and, you know, people making me do it, Peter would have probably never heard of it. It was the poems that latched that he got into first. Mm. Um randomly there was a poem I wrote called Poundland and another one called um Health and Wellbeing at Wood Green Job Centre. And one of the videos was made by my sister, actually. And then the other one was made by a guy called Roger Sargent, who was kind of a famous enemy guy. 
Um, he'd taken loads of photos of Oasis and Libertines, and he was getting into video making. Mm-hmm. And he and he made a video, made some videos for a few of my poems, and we put them on YouTube. And they only had like hundred and I think it was hundred and eighty views. Yeah. So, you know, not breaking the bank by any means, but um, I went to see the Libertines play them and they were kind of reforming. This is around 2015, 16 kind of time. And they were doing a special one-off show in the Dublin Castle. And I was sitting on the curb outside in our van, the band band we were using. And someone tapped me on the shoulder and he started narrating my poems to me. Oh. And lo and behold, it was Pete Doherty. And he said, out of the 180 views on YouTube, he had he'd done like 176 of them. <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs> Oh, so it was very sweet. He knew the poems better than me. Yeah, no, I, 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 I love what he does for grassroots music. You know, I, I know his label have signed an artist that we've had on the podcast before, Andrew Cushing. Um, yeah, there's a there's a young lass that I've known for years from Sheffield called Harriet Rose. Um, mm-hmm. She's she supported him on his gigs and stuff like that. So he's 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 very much giving back as much as he can to grassroots music and trying to support people. Into it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reason he started, they, one of the reasons they started Strap Originals because they couldn't get me a record deal anywhere. Mm. So it was like, you know, all right, let's start a record company. Yeah. And it was like, and now it's this whole thing, you know, it's, gonna, it's like a whole. Has he turned into a big manager now? Is that it? He's got, he's got a desk <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's, well, he's, he's got the right people around him, I'd yeah, say, right. now for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, he's got his best mate from school managing him. And uh, and him and Carl are really getting on, and you know, so it's like he seems like he's in a good spot. There's always the the demons and yeah. the ghosts that will keep calling, like they do with us all. But um, he's definitely in a good spot, you know. Yeah. And Katya and him, an incredible couple, really. And it, through thick and thin. And it frustrating just how easy the music industry can like turn your back on so many talented people. Yeah, fucking out. I mean, the whole yeah. just write, yeah. just write them off, just like that. Yeah. And Do you mean in the way that, like, what, well, just not them? not being able to get a record deal, like someone like Pete oh, right, can't yeah. get a record I deal mean, for like, like you know, just just that as an example. It's just that 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 is a huge thing. That that I mean, that's impossible to contemplate how difficult yeah. that is. I don't, I don't know how possible it is anymore, to be honest. Yeah. Without, without, you know, either getting lucky like I have, mm. or having a lot of money. Yeah, I, I don't know how it's possible because all these Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> it's unless you know you got a lot of money to put into them. You really, yeah. it's really hard to grow grow it organically. I don't think it works. Yeah. I think it's. I think the the whole thing is why it's so impossible for working class musicians now. It's so difficult that um, it, that is, it is a depressing thing. I mean, super super difficult. Record companies just got how many followers How many followers have we got? No, no. Record industry just wants to know about how many followers you've got. Just in oh, general, yeah, yeah, before yeah. the if you don't have X yeah. amount, then we're not even going to bother. Um, yeah, that's so. It's it's the way it is now, man. It's like and people buy streams and fucking likes and stuff and pay money to these fucking charlatans that somehow sort that out, and it does still yeah. do, and it still doesn't mean anything. But it means something to a record company. They they they're short sighted, aren't they? They don't 
they're not they're not now. Just there's, yeah. there's a disconnect with the the major labels for me and trying to find real music and getting confused by all this bollocks that that's in between new artists. I think. Well, it's so true, and I mean, like, especially when it comes to major labels with Spotify. I mean, mm-hmm. they just own Spotify. Yeah. I don't know how much of what happens on Spotify is real. I think you mm-hmm. can like. There's no doubt that there's like. You know, I know there's like the bot farm conspiracies yeah. and all that. I know they exist to a certain extent, yeah. but like, um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. You can see like people with like huge numbers on Spotify that don't mm. sell tickets. I think yeah. that what it comes down to is, is the tickets now. But I, I do think that yeah. before a, comp- a record label is going to look at you, you have to be selling out, you know, mm. 200, 300, 400, 500. I know people who are selling out like, yeah. you know, thousand capacity venues who are unsigned. So it's like, yeah, well, it's just obviously, madness. obviously an audience but there it's, and it's just, yeah. It's so difficult to get yeah. to that stage though, you know? Oh yeah. It's super cool. I mean, the, the, um, if you can get like a really good manager, I suppose, and an agent, that's more important, I would say, than the record deal now, because mm. like that, that puts you on the path, mm. you know. Yeah. If you're playing the support shows and you've got someone who can plan out, you know, those six months blocks of your life, yeah, that's like, um, I don't know that 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 can lead to the record deal. If you know what I mean, that mm-hmm. can build up to the record deal. Yeah. And that's. I think most managers now would probably start doing that first and then get you signed later on because they know that it just doesn't happen anyway. And, you know, yeah. Unless you're like a kind of, there's a band that my mates band, I'm my mates with um, Felix from the Maccabees and he's just got signed, mm-hmm. but he's Felix from, you know, from the Maccabees <laughs> and, the, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. if, you, if you're your average Joe, it's, yeah. it's so, it's so difficult, man. Really do. I really do feel for anyone that's like in that boat. The only thing you can say is the old classic boring cliche, which is just carry on and keep keep on cracking on somehow. No, I like that. And is there any lessons that you've learned along the way that you think would be really valuable to young artists or anybody watching this in the creative industry that's thinking, oh, fucking, I'm going to stop soon, should I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think that. It's impossible to um, not do the social media thing now. Mm. So I would, sorry, mate, but um, I would say if with trampoline, actually, we were very anti the internet at the beginning, so we didn't have any anything online or you know, and I think that was probably a mistake looking back. So it was like three or four years where we could have built up something. So I, you know, if it's okay, if you don't mind living your life that way, mm. you know, I, I would say it's, you know, living it, living life the best you can via social media is is the best way to actually create that following and create yeah. a way into the industry. I, I, I wish I could say another way, another way to. I really wish I could. I wish you. We could all be like the Arctic Monkeys, you yes. know, but, you know, it, it's just now it's just so, I just can't see another way. You have to like share <laughs> your life journey, basically. Yeah. 
yeah. share your work, share your, share your life journey on social media. You know, people come along for the ride. Yeah, oh, okay, okay, good, good. Way through through the ups yeah. and through the ups and downs, down downs you know, yeah. through through the whole thing, the whole thing, basically. Yeah, I think people uh, are being a bit obvious with it as well. I think uh, to try and be as more creative as you can with it. People kind of <laughs> they see what other bands do and just copy it, and it, it just don't feel. Um, yeah, just don't feel natural, and it just feels like they're doing it just because other people do it. I think just yeah. try and be cre- as creative with it as possible, not copy what everyone else is doing. Yeah, the, like that's the key know. thing. Though. If you find a way to be authentic on yeah. it, that's that's what will bring you the followers, and that's what will bring the people to you because it's hard to live an authentic life, man. Yeah. I mean, we got like all these bills, we got all these mm. different things. <laughs> Uh, in a bit, yeah. This, this I'll be out in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, mate. Hello. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, kind of. Um, it's hard. It's hard to be honest, you know. Yeah. Even about even sometimes there's a lot of shame in being honest, and you don't want to share it. But it connects with people, doesn't it? And on, on a yeah, level, when you're when you're honest, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Well, the, you, that's the way I try to be anyway. God knows if it works or not. <laughs> <laughs> so you're re-releasing the albums once it's a haunt again. Then the anniversary is coming up, so that's coming out again. Why? Why re-release it, mate? Well, we, we were there was like copies going for silly money on eBay. Okay. And um, everyone, all all the fans were mentioning it, and also the first time it came out was a bit of a balls up. To be honest, there wasn't okay. a barcode on it. Right. I mean, no one really knew what we were. It was a disaster in lots mm. of ways. So it felt like we had, um, it felt like it had unfinished business. Yeah. I think uh, we wouldn't have really gone back like this, that, but unless there was that kind of reason for it. And also, you know, the band was in a bit of a tumultuous time back then. It was like Kyle literally, the bat, I think, you know, the album came out and Kyle left the band just before the album came out. So it was like, and everything that came after that album, he never got to experience, and he's back in the band now. So it was, it was almost like putting history right. A little bit of that, bit, oh, bit yeah. of that in it, and uh, it's nice to you know share, celebrate the little little joyous moments that yeah, there yeah. are. So it's like, yeah. um, it just it? felt like my intuition told me it was the right thing to do. Basically, what what did you do wrong then, at the first time? Well, the first time. Uh, I think mistakenly I'd let Kyle leave the band. The record label we were with back then just had, um, for want want of a better word, just didn't connect with us and Mm. how we wanted to put it out into the world. So it just kind of... It felt like it was just not given the moment it deserved. Yeah. Like, um, even getting signed in other label, it's still not the holy grail, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, we had yeah. we had such bad problems, you know, yeah. going from our previous label to this label, legal problems, expensive legal yeah. problems. You know, if it wasn't for Peter, I, you know, all my back catalogue would be owned by someone else. So oh, it's like, yeah. um, you know, proper nightmares. Yeah. So oh. it's, there's all that kind of stuff going on, but. Um, so what did Peter do? Did he just like show you the way? Did he just from his own experience? Did he get the right legal yeah. people and get you the right yeah? And Peter and his manager Jai, yeah. 
so it's like yeah i mean um they obviously could see what, what what was going on and just wanted to help me out there's a lot of financial things that, that i got helped out with and uh and you know just a bit of uh i suppose industry help really because yeah. obviously i didn't really know what i was doing yeah. i mean the contract we signed originally um wayne was off his head on lsd at the time you know we, <laughs> we, 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 we didn't we didn't have a clue what was was going on and uh you know we little little did we know we'd signed like you know our first two arms away yeah. forever so it was like um also as you know get getting that back and getting the chance to do this again was like as owning it for the first time as well yeah and the book talk me through the book the book well the book the book was supposed to come out with the album originally six years ago right, okay. so i had this dream of a uh i i was really into julian cope which is where we got the name trampoline from and uh he was, I read his book, well, I listened to his music and I thought it was all right. And then I read his book and then when I listened to his music, it changed how I heard it. And I thought it was brilliant. So I wanted to give people that experience, but not 20 years apart. Mm, wow. So the idea was to have a book and, an, and a novel together, kind of an autobiographical novel about a boy growing up in Swansea, wanted to be in a band, that kind of thing. Yeah. And... um the but we just couldn't find anyone to publish it. I even got um uh I even had Catlin. I was living with Pete Perfides and Catlin Moran at the time and she she tried her best to get it published mm. and just kind of I think the line from the publishers was no one wants to read about a book uh a rock star that nobody's heard of, I think was the line that <laughs> kind of what people were saying. But um you know, fast forward six years and um, the book, I've been kind of working on the book on and off. I actually, when I first started getting to know Pete, I read the book, we were, I read, was read the book to him as we travelled across Europe together with Puta Madres and writing songs and stuff like that. So he was um, pretty, like, he always said to me, come on, we'll publish it, we'll publish it. And I was like, what do you mean publish it? You how can you publish it? How can you publish it? You haven't got a publishing company. But then yeah. eventually he decided to start a kind of Strap Originals publishing arm mm. and asked if it would be the first book. So I imagine I'll do more. But, um, oh, nice. Yeah, so very weird. And it just, so so when Swansea to Hornsey's coming out now, it is the way I, I actually hoped it would have been all those years ago. So, so six years has passed since you wrote the book. Then, have you have, have, yes. have you thought that? You, have you ever looked look back and think, "Oh, I might change that little bit"? You know, as you get oh, a bit yeah, older I changed, and that I, kind of I stuff. Have, you have, yeah. right? okay. I, as as time's gone, I've 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 moved it with the times. I've edited it here and there, and yeah. So it's been made it more real, or made it edit taken out, or the flowery bits. What kind of edits have you made? You know. Well, I, I had this line in my head when I was writing the book. The, the realer you make it, the longer it will last. Right. So it's as real as it can be. And I've I made it more real and just got away kind of it just cuts to the bone from the beginning to the end, I think. Nice. Nice mate. Well 
I really appreciate your time. I know you've got a lot on today. Uh, really enjoyed it. I you. haven't, mate. Well, oh, you? Uh, but, you know, just uh, <laughs> randomly my house. My fat mates decided to clean the house. I, I oh, wish they'd decided to do that. Like, <laughs> It doesn't matter. You can't, you know. He, he, he was shocked. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm amazed and shocked. But, yeah, I'm shocked too, actually. Well, within the description <laughs> of this podcast, I'm going to put a link for people to treat themselves to the reissued album and the book, of course. And there's a oh, ticket, mate, that'd be and amazing. There's a, Thank there's you a, so much. There's a ticket link for your Manchester, Cardiff and London gigs as well. We'll put that in too. So if you've liked what you heard and you're new to Trampoline, what you're doing, click the buttons, get yourself involved. And Brilliant. yeah, mate, Jack, mate, really, really enjoyed getting to know you today, mate. And I uh, wish you oh, all the best pal, with everything moving absolute, forward. Yeah, brilliant, Carl. I've loved it. Loads of love, mate. Absolutely living the dream. Trampoline bit. Thanks again. Oh, thanks, Jack. Yeah, you know what I mean? Beautiful soul. Uh, very enjoyed speaking to Jack. Within the description of the podcast, there's loads of uh, up-and-coming events and gigs. And check out his book and the release of the album. All the links are in there. There's one link that takes you everywhere, basically, within the description of this podcast. If you're listening on the audio version of the podcast too, which you will be because this bit's not on the video bit... Uh, do have a look at and watch us on YouTube and subscribe for us. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, we're getting closer to our target, which is nice. Closer and closer. What a great week. And if you listen to this podcast for a while, thank you for sticking around. If you're brand new, welcome. Tell your friends. And from the bottom of my heart, I hope you have a, an amazing week ahead of you listening to whatever music you've got planned this week keep spreading the joy and from everybody here at RGM crack on you've got it you've got this yeah ladies and gentlemen I've been Carl Maloney that guy from RGM this has been another week here at the RGM Experience Podcast I'm gonna get off welcome to RGM are you in a band Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.